Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. And as we continue in uh, in the world, citizen of heaven, um, we've really been dissecting what it looks like to, man, to walk in this world as in the world, but not of the world. And I know every one of us shares something in common, that every one of us lived in the world this week. None of us took an Uber back to heaven at, in the service last Sunday and hung out with Jesus all week and now came back. We have all lived in the world. We've all dealt with people we didn't want to deal with. We're living in a church culture. We're not living in a church culture, a world system that is very much anti-church. We're living in a system that we have to deal with, but yet still live a life that is reflective of Jesus. Easier said than done. And that's why we've been looking at this. Practical ways in which we can set our minds and prepare our hearts each morning before we go out. So we're not getting to the end of the day and saying, oh man, I missed opportunity. I wasn't aware. I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't do that. You know, it's, it's growing in maturity in a way that knows that every day is a day prepared for us. That's a big deal. That each day is a gift. Each day that we can breathe and have life is a day that we are here to serve the Lord and and, and to do what he would have us do. And it's, it's, yes, it's a responsibility, but there's nothing else worth living for. And as we look today, I want to look at Colossians 1, verse 9. And Paul, when he hears of the faith of the Colossians, he writes to them and he says this, he goes, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard... Do not cease, watch, watch what he prays for. Do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord. That's a big prayer. That we would be filled, that his people, this, this church, these believers, the called would be filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wouldn't that be awesome just to have it all and know, to know what we need to know, to hear, to have such clear wisdom that we have the confidence to walk? And this is a common theme that Paul reiterates. It's the more you know the more we grow in the understanding of who God is and the knowledge of God and discerning his will, the stronger our walk becomes, that we can't do it without the will of God, the knowledge of God. We can't walk this walk. We can't be in the world and not of it without the will of God, knowing what he wants for us without his leading. This is what, Paul's like, this is what I'm praying When I hear how you all are thriving, I'm praying that this can continue and that you can continue to be more and more and more and more filled with all knowledge and wisdom so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Now, I was, I kind of will stop sometimes at certain words and I'm like, what, walk worthy of the Lord? Because I have a certain connotation with the word worthy, the context that creates, like you're not worthy of this. It's kind of like this, negative kind of, you haven't earned it, right? You're a, you're a disgrace. 
your discipline. You need to get your act together so you're worthy of the Falachi name or this job. or the. You see, it's like to walk worthy of the Lord. So I'm like, well, what does it mean? Because I know it's a positive thing. It's a command and it's an encouragement. What does it mean to walk worthy, of, like worthy of his forgiveness? Because none of us are worthy of it, right? He chose us. So it seems a little counter, like, it seems like a mixed message, does it not? Well, I looked it up, and worthy, if you have to, you have to go back to the root word, the Hebrew root word for worthy, and it means this, this is so, so interesting. It's, it means weighing and having weight, having the weight of another thing of like value, worth as much, it's comparable or suitable. So it's saying walk in a way that is comparable to Jesus. See, when you think of weight, you know, it's, it's the same in weight, not just surface. There's a weight to it. So it's not just based on a, a surface condition. It's the impact of the life, right? It's the weight, the weight of Jesus, the weight of his obedience, the weight of how he walked impacted the world. Some believed, some rejected, but how he walked carried weight and impact. And he's saying, you have to grow in the will and knowledge of God in order to walk in the way that carries the weight, the potential weight that Jesus carried. And I think any of us, if we desire to emulate anybody, like I know if you ever played sports, boy or girl, you might emulate a certain player. You wanted to be like this player. And it went way past is dressing like the player. It was the impact they had in the sport that they played, right? You desire to be like them in terms of the impact that they make. It doesn't even have to be a sports athlete, some leader, somebody that excels. You're not just trying to dress like them. You want to carry that weight of impact in how you live and how you make decisions. And so Paul is saying you can't do this without the wisdom of God, without being full of the knowledge of his will. Meaning we need to know the will of God. I'm going to show you something. Romans 8, 28, because first of all, the will of God for each and every one of us is that we become more and more like Christ. Not just as in appearance, which I know is ludicrous to think, but in impact and how he lived and how he made decisions. See, in Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to whose purpose? His purpose, not our purpose, his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So we need to know all of us are bound by that, that God's will for each and every one of us is that we grow more and more in our transformation, that we become more and more Christ-like through the Holy Spirit living through us, because in that, our purpose is fulfilled. The impact that God desires through our lives can only be conquered or accomplished by being Christ-like through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. That's why we need his will. Does that make sense? We can't do this without the knowledge of God. We can't. It's a constant. Because we are designed for God's purpose. And the first purpose is to reflect him. Right? To reflect him. To love him and to reflect him 
And that's easier said than done. So, to say I want to carry the same weight as Jesus is, is no small task. Jesus was God, I am not. But yet, Jesus established patterns for us to duplicate and to learn from so that we can grow in a way that gets us more and more out of the way and more and more in line and in touch with the will of God so that we could walk in a way that is impactful for the kingdom of God. I mean, it's, 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 it's I don't want to say it's simple, but it's kind of, it's simple. Watch this. Watch what Jesus, this is so important that we see something that Jesus says here. John 8, 25. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They do not understand uh, that he spoke to them. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to him, them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Now watch this. In that I do what? Nothing of myself. One more time. And that I do nothing. of myself. I looked up nothing. It means nothing. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. For I always do those things that please him. Did you catch something there? Did you see the pattern, the example that Jesus is establishing? Though fully God, but fully man, he said he did nothing as he walked the earth that was apart from the father's will. Everything he said, everything he did was connected to the will of the Father. As hard as it might be, this is a pattern for us to learn by. If Jesus couldn't walk without doing and knowing the will of the Father, guess what we can't do? Walk without the will of the Father. Jesus was perfect. Yet he was tempted as we are, yet perfect without sin. But he sought the will of the Father and lived according to the will of the Father every step of his life. And how do we know that? Because a natural human being may not choose to go be crucified on a cross. Jesus did. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, the will of the Father can be so counterintuitive to what we want. We tend to want to be self-glorifying. We tend to want to be self-building. Like we, we want, we want, we want for us. But Jesus, God, is always about obedience. First of all, to honor him and to love him, and then to impact the world for his good. And our lives are a living sacrifice. That doesn't come natural, especially in the world when people test us and try us and frustrate us and make us mad. It's hard. Our will often isn't the will of the Father. But Jesus did the will of the Father. And some accepted and some had him murdered. But that's impact. God's will is polarizing. <laughs> 
because it's so distinct, it's so different, it's so like what? It's so different than what the world would say do that it catches people's attention. Their response is not our worry. Our concern is the will of the Father. Now, one thing we need to understand, this is so, like, again, Jesus said, I did nothing apart from myself. Nothing apart from God. Everything I spoke, everything I did, I did according to the will of God. This is where it starts for us. Do you know that? Like, this is where it starts. Yet, I think a lot of us know it starts here, but yet don't understand the implications of what it means. Let me show you something. We've read this account many times, but it, I mean, it hits it right on the head. And in Matthew 16, 21, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Whose will was this? One more time. Whose will was this? Right. This was the will of God. This is why Jesus came down. This is what his purpose in life was, to be a sacrifice for all of mankind, for the forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, for those who would believe in him. So now he is telling his followers, this is what I have to do. His followers were there to learn from Jesus, to walk as Jesus walked. That was the duty of a disciple. So he's saying, guys, this is what's about to happen. Now, Peter goes rogue and says this. He took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. This is not the plan. This is not the plan. Jesus says something incredible here. He turned, said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me. Now here is where all of us get mixed up. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of what? This is all of our struggle right here. We become so mindful of the things we want that we're not really mindful of the things of God to the point where it was so bad, Peter was rebuking Jesus. That's that's not how the discipleship relationship works. So Jesus says, then he goes on to say, now, if anyone, watch this, desires to come after me, watch, watch watch what he shows here. If he desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I'm going to read that again. If anyone desires to come after me, here is the prerequisite. This is the mindset and the understanding that you have to embrace if you are to follow me. He goes, if anyone desires to come after me, he doesn't just say, follow me. No, no, no. Because we can't without doing these first two steps. Let him deny himself and then pick up his cross and then follow me. That's, all, that's, that's hard. Let him deny. So he's like, if you are to follow me, this is what you have to understand, Peter. This is what you have to understand. All the rest of you, this is what you have to understand. If you are to really follow me, you need to get out of the way. On a daily basis, 
On a daily basis, it's a mindset. I have to deny myself, meaning, Lord, I'm having these desires. I think I want this, but Lord, not your will be done, not my will be done, but your will be done. Lord, help me, help me, help me. And then we pick up that cross and we carry that reminder with us everywhere we go. My life is not my own. My life is not my own. Jesus went through it physically. And he was led to a place that I don't think anyone would just choose because it sounds like a great idea. But he was led to a place that God led him to for the glory of God. And it's the same picture that we are to have. He was so specific. Guys, you can't follow me without denying yourself. You can't. Like you literally, you can't do it. But I think we're in a culture now we're so inundated with me, 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 self, 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 self. We don't even realize to the extent at which we serve self. And Jesus, he wasn't like exaggerating. This is what it takes. And Jesus set the example. He gave his life in one of the most brutal ways known to man through crucifixion. Now, for whoever decides, desires to save his life will actually lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, he's not kidding, but again, it's all about the will of God. It's all about the ability to discern the will of God and to follow the will of God. That's the only way we have a chance out there. And we can learn and we can learn and we can learn and we can learn all we want, but if we're not willing to apply it, right? We can memorize and do this and do this and do this, but if we're not willing just to wake up and say, Lord, I know I don't know everything and I don't need all of that knowledge, but I am willing to do what you say today, that's all he's looking for is obedience. And as we obey, we grow also in the knowledge of God as we grow, as we learn more about him through his word, which I'm about to get to. Again, why why does he want us Submitted, submitted to his will. Well, let's go back to Colossians 1.10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. As Jesus said, I walk in a way that pleases the Father. Being fruit, watch this, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Meaning, you can do good work but not be fruitful. <laughs> You could be thinking you're doing good work, but it's actually the good work according to your will, not the will of the Father, and your good works aren't bearing fruit because they're not rooted in the will of God. This is why religion is dangerous. You do a lot of things, but the heart's not in it. You're just doing it because you were told to, but you're not really understanding and seeking the will of God in it. Does that make sense? And it's empty, and it's dry, and it's dead, See, we have the ability, no matter where we are, to begin to seek the will of the Father for that day and to move on it. And as we move on it, see, God desires for our work to actually bear fruit. Because I think, I don't know if any of you have been around people that are doing good work, but because of their nature and how they walk, you could tell they're not really in tune here, and their work isn't producing anything. I don't want to be a people like that. 
I want our work to be connected to the will of the Father so that our work bear fruit. Because how ridiculous is it to keep doing good things, but it's not really producing anything? Remember, Jesus' life carried weight and it made an impact because it was so distinct and his heart was in it. And so I want to show you something. John 5, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me seeks my will, searches out my will, obeys my commands, obeys my word. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I looked it up again. Still means nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But he says, if you... If you abide in me, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Why are our prayers answered? Because we're desiring what he desires. A lot of times, if our prayers aren't answered, in the long run, we can see that it wasn't the will of God. But sometimes we can be very frustrated if we haven't submitted ourselves to say, Lord, I'm praying for this, but not my will, but your will be done. Because I desire nothing else than to be in your will for this season so that my work, whatever it is, bears fruit. That how I respond to people, how I talk to people, how I live, how I make decisions is reflective of something bigger than me, and it makes an impact, and it bears fruit. Because the Pharisees' good work bared no fruit, because they were whitewashed tombs. They were corrupt on the inside. They had missed the will of God, but man, they had their religion down. So again... It's growing in the knowledge of God's will. So here we go. Here's the big question. This is all great, right? <laughs> woo! Or not so woo. How do I know God's will? Wouldn't it be so easy? Imagine if God could text you. Just every day and every time there's a big decision and every time you're just frustrated, God could text you and say, this is my will. Oh. But it's not like that. But his will is discernible and discoverable. But we're going to see something. How do I know God's will? Well, the first thing we all need to understand, and I'm just making up this percentage, but it's pretty large. About 80% of God's will, we all share. There's no mystery. I just want you to know that. Every single one of us share the same will of God. And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's why you're here. If you do nothing else in life except love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, you will have lived a fulfilled life. We spend so much time trying to nail down that specific will. What, what am I here for? What am I here for? What am I here for? He's like, I've already told you. And that will does not, does not eliminate characteristic. It, it, it involves all of it. 
It involves patience and kindness and the fruit of the spirit. It's the characteristics that we are to pursue also. You see, it's all of that is our will. It's God's will for us, and it becomes our desire to follow his will in that and becoming more and more like Christ through the Holy Spirit and loving him and loving him and loving him, and every day brings new challenges to do that. Am I right? But if you want to know the will of God for your life, it's written in here, and the more you read and the more you ingest, the more you understand. It's not a mystery. And we have his grace because we're going to fail miserably all the time but we're also going to grow and continue to grow in that. And you're going to feel so much more fulfilled as your life seeks to become more and more. Because loving the Lord your God with everything you are is not an easy task. That could fulfill every day, trying to get that right. And then loving other people, oh my gosh. Now, That's why growing in knowledge is so important. Growing in knowledge through his word, meditating on his word, knowing the word, knowing what it says. And as we exercise obedience, that knowledge really grows from a place from here to here where you maybe knew this, but then when you acted upon it, now you really know it. And we grow and we grow and we grow. I mean, this is the aerial view of what it looks like, but you know, it's with us every single day. And we have a whole world out there that is challenging us not to live like this. But yet it's our purpose. Look at Colossians 3.12. We read this last week, but I'm going to reiterate it. It's such a great picture of what it is to wake up every morning as God's people. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves... (laughs) with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Doesn't that sound like purpose? Doesn't that sound like an order? Doesn't that sound like a command? Just like we get dressed without a second thought because we know that that would be a problem if we did not, except during COVID and it didn't matter. (laughs) You can do whatever you (laughs) want. But we get dressed on purpose So every morning, it's like, I love how he uses this analogy. He's like, this is who you are. Clothe yourself with these things. And these things are not easy. And notice that compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience have everything to do with how we treat others and how we are with others. Because our life is designed for God and others. God and others. This doesn't come easy, but it's worth chasing after. We could spend a lifetime just trying to nail these down. Because every day is going to challenge our compassion, our kindness, our humility, our gentleness, and our patience. So this is the will of God for all of us. It's right there. Now, again, we can overplay that specific will for our lives, but it's also very important. But we can get so obsessed with this specific will that we let all of this go. Like this becomes a second thought. It's not something we're even pursuing because we want that thing. Why am I here, Lord? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And he's like, well, start here. Because if you start here, you are maturing and building yourself to be able to handle what I have for you. But if you're not operating in obedience here, you can't jump all the way over to here. 
It's a day-to-day-to-day following the Lord and learning what it is to love him with all that you are and then to love others. And trust me, just like Jesus, you're going to be challenged every day. Thank goodness for grace. Now, let's talk about the specific will of God also. Like who's ever faced big decisions? Maybe you are right now and you need God to direct you. You're, you're needing an answer. Yes, we need God's leading. We need help in decision making. We need help with a lot of big types of situations where like, Lord, I need you, I need you, I need you. And you feel like you're not hearing and you're not hearing. Well, let me show you. Jesus set a pattern for us also in terms of discovering that specific will of God. If we look at Matthew 14, 22, it says this. It says immediately he had just fed 5,000. People were going nuts. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes where? Where? He sent them away. Needy people. People that were enamored with him, people that were following him and listening to him, he sent them away, and that's not all. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was what? He was what? Alone there. Jesus had quiet time. Jesus had alone time. Jesus sought out time alone with the Father. Fully God, fully man, but yet he prioritized being alone with his Father. He sent the multitudes away. And let me just make somewhat of an analogy We have responsibilities, we have family, we have pressures, we have all these voices, like maybe 5,000 different voices, and we never send them away. We take them with us everywhere. And even if we're trying to be alone with the Lord, we're still worrying and thinking and worrying and thinking and worrying and thinking and and shuffling. And He sent them away. He sent them away. We need to be disciplined enough to say, Lord, I give you my thoughts. It's hard, but I'm not even going to think about that now. I need alone time with you with all of this gone. And there's an act, the physical representation of that is we need to withdraw and be alone. And not just a little five minute, you know, quick devo and then we're on our way. If Jesus spent time, don't you think then we need to spend time? If this was part of Jesus' process in walking one step by step with his father, obeying everything he said, if a priority was alone time, I think that's probably for us too, right? Luke 5.15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. So his ministry is growing. The multitudes are growing. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So watch what he did. So he himself often, often withdrew into the wilderness and what? 
Jesus was there to serve the people. Jesus was healing people. Jesus was ministering. Jesus was doing the work of the kingdom. But he knew enough to take himself away and withdraw to a place where there was no voices, no need, no anything. And it was just alone praying. Some of you may be very disciplined in this. Some of us may not be. Some of us, even when we try to have quiet time, our brains go crazy and we're like, whoa, 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 what? How did I get here? Why am I having visions of a tap dancing frog? You don't even know. It just, things just begin to happen. You're like, how did I get here? But Jesus made it a priority. It has to be a priority. If you are to discover and know the will of God, you have to give him chance to speak. You have to get in the habit of knowing what it sounds like and clearing your mind and submitting your will to him saying, Lord, I know I have these needs and this and that, but Lord, I'm trusting you. Help me. Help me here today. Help me know your will. I mean, look at this. Luke 6, 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, watch, he then called his disciples to himself and from them he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. Do you see the correlation? He was alone with God before he made one of his most important decisions of his ministry. Who were to be the apostles? If Jesus had to go alone, be alone with God the Father, praying all night to make a very important decision, don't you think then maybe we do? Jesus is setting the example. Guys, we're so busy here. I mean, this thing is like... It's so mindful, the things of man and not of God, right? (laughs) But we have to learn to slow it down, to calm it down so we can hear. And sometimes that means journaling. But you know you, whatever it takes to help you get out of the way and to spend time alone with the Lord in prayer to seek his will. That's the only way. And that will yield fruit because we will not have a chance out there if we are not taking the time to be alone with the Father. Again, if Jesus did it, man, do we need to do it. And so the desire to be in line with the Father's will above all else draws us into quiet time and alone time so that we can learn to hear and to listen and to slow things down. Some of us are living at a million miles per minute and it never stops. You were not designed to live like that. Even when Jesus' ministry was cranking, he withdrew. We have to withdraw in a healthy way. A healthy way. That's how we beat the flesh. Church is great. Sunday to Sunday, though, is important in terms of how we grow. If this is the only time you have with the Lord, that's not accomplishing much. Because you're hearing me, right? You're listening to me, and hopefully the word of God, you know, it, it, it divides our hearts and it speaks to our hearts, but it's what you do with the word throughout the week that you either grow in discerning his will or not why we're called to be a living sacrifice.
not being conformed to the world so that we can discern his perfect will. And alone time might be hard for some of you because scary stuff starts coming up when you're alone. (laughs) Stuff that you don't like to feel, stuff that you don't like to think. Hey, maybe it needs to come out. Because remember, Jesus prayed, this is, Father, if you could take this cup away from me, do, but not my will, but your will be done. You know, see, he, he was with the Father in that place, but he was still praying with the Father, seeking his will above all else, but he wasn't faking it. He's being very real in that moment. And again, you won't see the slide, but I want to reiterate it again. Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, verse 11 says this, strengthened with might. Wow. Strengthened with might according to his power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Do you see how that works? We need the strength of God to accomplish his will. And he will provide. And if you continue reading that account of Jesus praying in the garden, asking God to take this cup if it would be his will, God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus to do his will. He didn't leave Jesus hanging. He's not going to leave us hanging. He will strengthen you for the will that he has over your life. It's a promise. It's a promise. We need to give it a chance because you know what? This will patience in all long suffering and joy. You know, guess what? We need strength to be joyful and long suffering and patient. Take strength. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And we are the light in the darkness, are we not? I don't care how you feel about yourself. If you are in Jesus, you are a light, and His will is in you, and He speaks it in your footsteps have purpose designed for impact that carries weight your life carries weight everyone of you need to hear this despite any mistake you've ever made your life carries weight in the hands of god you you need to be convinced of this do not dismiss yourself your life carries weight in christ your life carries weight heavenly weight divine weight purposeful weight molded and shaped by the creator God who loves you and set you apart and chose you out of the world to be a light and a reflection of him your life carries weight and don't let any lie from the pit of hell get in the way of that truth embrace it and know it you are meant more more than for just church on Sundays You are meant to live a life dedicated to the will of God, to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, to walk in the footsteps that God has established for you, to bear fruit in all good works so that people can see the light of Jesus. It's why we are here. So come on, you all. But we have to fuel ourselves, don't we? We have to hear the voice of God. We have to know the voice of God. We have to know that there is no shame and condemnation in Christ because we are forgiven. And we have to have the boldness to approach his throne of grace to receive help and strength in time of need. Amen? Every day matters. Don't waste it. Every day matters. Amen? Jesus, thank you. Woo!
<laughs> so good, Lord. You're so good, Jesus. We praise you and we thank you. We bless your holy name. You are King of kings, Lord of lords, Elohim, Jehovah, the God of Abraham and Isaac. Oh, Lord, we thank you. The God of David, the God of Solomon, Lord, you are the God, the unchangeable God the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. You are God, and we worship you, and we submit to you, Lord. We are your creation. The work of our hands has been created by you, and we submit to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for forgiving us for our stubbornness, Lord, and our hard-heartedness, Lord. I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, by the power of your spirit, could be open to your leading and desire it more and more. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, God Almighty. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.